The I'm Fine podcast is produced by Lemore Media LLC and is run by Project Headspace and Timing. Project Headspace and Timing is a 501c3 that I started in 2017 after a veteran that I was a medic to decided to pull over on the side of the road and end his life. As an organization, Project Headspace and Timing works on veteran advocacy and veteran outreach. What that means is through the advocacy uh, perspective, we try to connect veterans to other resources as early on into the process as possible. What that entails is early contact with veterans, forming a safety net with their family members, friends, and fellow service members, educating them on the resources, and when that veteran is ready to get help, we are there to make sure that they get the help that they need. The outreach aspect is put there to get veterans together to do productive and constructive things, whether it's out in nature, working with other businesses, anything to get them out around other veterans where those good conversations can happen if they want to have them. If you are interested in finding out more information about our organization, please visit projectheadspaceandtiming.org, our Facebook page, Project Headspace and Timing, or our Instagram, which is Project Headspace and Timing. And if you would like to donate to our organization, uh, please visit our website, projectheadspaceandtiming.org, scroll to the bottom, and you will find a link to our Venmo. If you'd like to send us a check, our P.O. Box is P.O. Box 382, Mantino, Illinois, 60950. And if you'd like to sponsor or have any other questions, feel free to reach out to me at Eric P, P is in Paul, at projectheadspaceandtiming.org. Thank you. On today's episode of the I'm Fine podcast, we are going to talk about peer support groups. Uh, we're going to talk about where they started, the pros and cons, and what you can do to find one in your area. And we're going to do that with our friend from Operation Charlie Bravo, Mike Pinkle. Today's sponsor is the Horton Group. Now, we talk about it a lot in this podcast. We're about authentic relationships, um, and we like to really say what we mean and, and mean what we say. And we're very happy to have the Horton Group as a sponsor. Uh, at the Horton Group, people are at the center of everything that they do and have been since 1971, which means they get it. You're not searching for an insurance broker. You're looking for a partner, one who actually does care and promises to always have your back versus just putting some policy in place. The Horton Group has you covered, whether it's business insurance, personal insurance, life insurance, or employee benefits, they have you covered. The Horton Group, leading clients to a higher level of performance. Please check them out at www.thehortongroup.com. Welcome to the I'm Fine Podcast with your freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional hosts, Eric Peterson and Brad Stozik. All right, look at us. We got a sponsor. Woohoo! How about it? We made it. Totally fine. Yeah. Uh, thank you again for being here, Mike. Really appreciate it, dude. How's Thanks everything with you? Me, guys. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How's uh, how's everything with you been? Uh, getting better. Yeah? Slowly. Yeah. That's good. What um, what do you what's been making it better? Just uh, friends in general. I. Uh, He's talking I'm about cut. me. <laughs> it is all about friends. <laughs> right before we started, we also had to explain to jake why marines can't read and i appreciate that he asked us that because it's a great question and i think sometimes it warrants explaining and i like that he brought it up that way because you know uh mike was in the army 
and Bray was in the Marines. I was in the Army National Guard. And so, you know, there's a lot of like shit talking that goes on between the branches, which is very much like a familial shit talking that people don't understand, I think, in that like when we're around, we'll talk shit about each other. And then if we go to a bar and then somebody else talks shit to one of us, then all of a sudden everybody's kind of on the same page type yeah. of thing. But I liked it because Jake was just like, I got a question. <laughs> Why can't Marines? Why can't Marines read? And I was like, I mean, I'm glad I've wanted you to asked. know since day one. So, <laughs> well, since, since the very first episode of this podcast, I had asked. to know. Yep. Yeah. I'm glad you asked about that. Yeah. Um, I did a presentation recently with the Illinois National Guard uh, to their chaplains, and uh, I had a bunch of pictures in there, and I told them that I have the pictures in there because sometimes we present to Marines, and I don't want a lot of those big fancy words, <laughs> like two, three syllable type words. You know what I mean? Like fucking well. Um. But no, man, I um, I really appreciate you being here today, man. Um, Mike, we've known each other now since, like, when? What do you think? Uh, right, right before, yeah, right before Thanksgiving. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just, you have been, I'm very glad that you're in this area. I'm going to let you obviously talk more uh, about that and how all that came to be. But um, we're just really happy to have you here, man. Yeah, you know? and, I, and I can't say enough good uh, about project headspacing timing and, and, and you personally appreciate that. Um, dude. you definitely took me out of a really bad place in my life and, um, and I, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for you. So I, I want that to be known. No, oh, man, I appreciate that. And Absolutely. with that, why don't you talk a little bit about how, well, before we talk about how we met, why don't you share a little bit about like your story, like military up to current, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, I guess, however you look at it, I left when I was 18 years old and uh, joined the Army, uh, went to basic at Fort Leonard Wood, uh, graduated there, went to airborne school, Fort Benning, um, shipped out to Fort Bragg, where I, uh, I went on my first deployment in uh, 2004, and uh, that was to Iraq. I kind of traveled all over the country a little bit, uh, mostly in Baghdad, but bounced around down to like Iskandaria, a couple other places that were a little more remote. Um, came back and I went to the 82nd Airborne Division after that. And I thought I was only going to deploy for six months and then make my ETS date. Well, that didn't happen. We ended up getting involuntarily extended and I did a, a year over my, uh, my uh, original enlistment. Oh, in country? In country, yes. So it was six months and it ended up being 18 months? It's, uh, yeah. So I was supposed <sighs> to be out August of 2008. I didn't, oh, sorry, August of 2007. I didn't get out until August of 2008. You ever think about that when it comes to people at home that are like, man, I had to stay late at work for like 30 <laughs> minutes? You know what I mean? You're like, motherfucker, I had to stay an extra year in a combat zone. Oh, no. You want to hear a better story about yes, that? Yes, I do. Oh, <laughs> so we were in, um, we were coming home from Afghanistan and we stopped, uh, I want to say, I don't know, somewhere in the Middle East. I can't remember what country. Like Qatar or some shit. Or wherever yeah, it was. it was It was one of those, yeah. you know, transition bases, basically. Yep. And uh, we were in the smoking area. This is when I still smoke pretty heavily. And uh, we, like I said, we did 18 months in country. I was in a ratty ass uniform that barely had any life left to it. And uh, we were sitting there and there was this Air Force guy bitching about how he had just gotten back from leave and he didn't have enough time to, you know, mess around with his girlfriend while he was there. He only got two weeks off and uh, he was pissed that he had to spend another two months there. 
Uh, needless to say, that would have been another kill on my behalf. And yeah. my guys let me go. <laughs> um, this is on the base in the Middle East where it was like a uh, where where guys are. What, what do you call it? Like transient or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So, like Kyrgyzstan, like Manus Air Base. That's that's what it was. Kyrgyzstan. It was okay. Yeah. Yes. I okay. love Manus Air Base, dude. That's where yes. I learned what a panini was because I had no idea what a panini was, and I'm like, this is the nicest base I'd ever been. To. They had two movie theaters. <laughs> so they did. And yep. do, you, do you remember the smoking area with the nice wooden gazebo? Vaguely. Vaguely, that, that's yeah. where they they had the barber shop over there. They had the massage parlor. Yes. you know where the massage yeah, parlor yeah. is. Come on, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, dude, Manus Air Base. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> that's where I almost killed a guy. Yeah, no, and and that's like a nice air, for anybody that doesn't know. Like that's not a combat zone. You're in Kyrgyzstan, which oh. is a country I did not know about until I went to Manus, and like I don't know what it was like when you were there, dude. But when I was coming in and out of there. Uh, you could go on like a fucking horseback ride or something if you wanted off the base. And I'm just like, none of this sounds right. It was 2008 and I was like, nah, man, I'm not doing any of that. But it's, it was a weird place. Cause you're like, as a young kid, it's in the military. You're like, am I overseas? Like, do I have to worry about people killing me like here? Like how the fuck does that work? You know what I mean? But Manus was a super nice, super nice air base. But yeah, so you had an air force guy complaining. Oh yeah. Manus. Yeah, about absolutely. how terrible it was. Yeah, they had my bar there. I, I I know, and it was a pretty badass bar. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, and they they told us. I don't know. Did you? Did they have the drink minimum when you were there? They're like they two beers. They did. Is what they said. The St. Yeah. Pauli's girl. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, but no. So what? What else? Uh, so you deployed when you were younger. How many tours did you do? I ended up doing two tours. Okay. Um, came home, got out of the military in July of two thousand eight. So I, you know, I had my 30 days of, of, uh, ETS leave and, you know, just sat around and came back here, unfortunately, to mm-hmm. the worst place in the United States. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand the city of Chicago. And now that I'm living in Kankakee again, I don't, I don't know how people can live here. Oh, so. dude. I like our, every area has its issues, but I hope the one thing that you've seen since you've been here is while there are plenty of cons as is anywhere else. There are there are more pros. Like there are some good people in this area. You oh, know? there's and you there's see, absolutely. And you see these people that are starting to come together. And I think it's just especially post pandemic, it's such a weird world, but it's like you see so many people that are trying to come together and do good things for different demographics of people. And as those groups start getting together, you start seeing real change. And yeah, I, I agree. There's plenty of frustrations living in the state of Illinois. You know what I mean? Like it's Absolutely. no, it's no surprise that people have been leaving by the thousands due to the taxes and other things. But, um, and then the city of Chicago, you know, unfortunately they've just had so many issues. Um, and Brad and I have talked about this before. Like, dude, I'm I'm a Bears fan, and I can admit that. And I can admit that. I'm comfortable admitting that, but I just feel like that should also speak to my character as a person that I'm willing to admit that. And I still like I have we were talking about earlier, I, I still have my Jay Cutler jersey. I didn't even throw it away. I didn't burn it or anything. So I mean <laughs> like my heart is here still. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um but no, I understand the frustration. That brings up another funny story if you'd like to. To, to delve into that about Jay Cutler, no, this would be about Rex Grossman. Um, Rex, sexy Rex, sexy Rex. <laughs> yeah, yes. what about um, sexy Rex? So the year that the Bears went to the Super Bowl was the year that we were leaving for Afghanistan, mm-hmm. two thousand six. Yep, yeah. So 
I didn't want to pack any of my nice jerseys like my Walter Payton or, you know, any, any of the nice stuff that I have. Yep. Uh, so I packed a Kmart version of Rex Grossman and I brought that to Afghanistan with me because it was a tradition. I always had to have my hat and my jersey on yep. whenever the Bears played. Well, I uh, flew into another transition base. I'm, I can't think of the name of it to save my life right now, but they had one TV and it was all the way on the other side of the base at the Chow Hall. Okay. One TV for the whole post. Yeah. They told us that if you weren't permanent party, you weren't going to be able to watch the game. So here I am underneath my uniform. I have my Rex Grossman jersey on. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Put my, put my uniform on, go to the chow hall. I got there three hours before the game started. Now, mind you, the time difference and everything like that, the game didn't start till midnight. Right. Over there. So, you know, I, I get comfortable and I sit right next to the, the Brigadier General. Is this is for the Super Bowl? This is for the Super Bowl. Okay, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had his own table, and I, I was sitting right next to it, and I and I, I just reserved this spot, stayed there, took my took my shirt off, you know, like my my ACU top off, and I had my Rex Grossman jersey on, and I was the only Bears fan in this entire Chow Hall. By the way, <laughs> everybody, I I don't think anybody was a Colts fan. They just knew the Bears, and that was it. I remember this game. So, yeah, there I was. Now, mind you, I'm sitting next to the Brigadier General. Mm-hmm. The guy runs this base. Yep. And Devin Hester runs back the opening kickoff. Yep. And here I am standing on a picnic table, dancing in a Rex Grossman jersey in front of the Brigadier General. And he's getting a kick out of it. Yep. So we make it about, I don't know, what, seven minutes into the yeah. fourth <laughs> quarter, and the game was just gone. Rex yep. Grossman had dumped everything he can. Yep. Fumbled six times, threw three interceptions, whatever. Yep. And... uh I was like, all right, fuck this, guys. I'm I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. So I pack my stuff up. I go back to the tent, get back there, and I lay down, and I go right to sleep, pissed off. Yep. I curl up in my sleeping bag, and that was it. About 20 minutes later, my whole platoon comes in. They're like, dude, the Bears won the Super Bowl, and you missed it. They won the fucking Super Bowl, and you weren't there. Assholes. And I was like, I was like right, wait, are you guys are fucking with me because I left. There wasn't much time left. There's no way the Bears won. They're like, no, dude, they came back. They won the fucking Super Bowl. Rex Grossman threw two touchdowns, won the game. <laughs> so I go running out of my tent in a pair of underwear. Mind you, I'm on a mountain on a mountainside in December, so it's like 30 degrees outside at the most. Freezing my ass off. I'm running around. I run up to the first guy that I don't know. I'm like, did you go to the Super Bowl? He goes, yeah. I said, who won the game? And he looks at me, gives me like an off look, like I'm, you know, a little, little dense. Yep. And he's like, the Colts did. And I turn around, my whole platoon's on the fucking ground <laughs> in tears, <laughs> laughing their ass off. It's not like you had a phone, you could just look it up. You know what I mean? Like how you had to go I, to that TV and wait for AFN or whatever the hell it is to like tell you other, other than asking somebody if they won or not. Yeah. Other, well. I'm going to tell you right now, I still have not lived that down to this day. Really? Oh. I still take hell from my guys about that. God, you just want them to be good. And you wanted them to win so bad. I wa- <laughs> Without going on a tangent about it, I went to a Bears-Packers game in Lambeau, in the belly of the beast. And I was decked out, Forte jersey, whole nine. And I was there with my wife and two of our friends, all wearing Bears stuff. And I was like, I'm not trying to start shit or anything, but I'm not backing down either. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a proud yeah. Bears fan, right, wrong, or indifferent. and. We were losing bad, and it was like 
right before the the two minute warning, I said to my wife, I was like, hey, let's let's get out of here. And as we get up and start leaving, the Packers fans were like, hey, don't you know what? You'll probably still have a winning season. Don't worry. I'm like, don't be fucking patronizing <laughs> to me. Like, you can't do that at Soldier Field. People are throwing fucking beer cans at you and yeah. stuff, man. Like, <laughs> even, even as a Bears fan, though, so you nice. have to admit that that those Green Bay fans up there in Lambeau are probably some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Nicest people ever. And that made it that much worse. I wanted them to be assholes so I could hate them. I can't, you know what I mean? Like they're being so nice for, to me about it. Like For the record, any Packers fans that are watching, I didn't really mean that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, okay. Um, but no, okay. So deployments, you come home. What was that like for you when after, after you got out? Well, um, I've been complaining a lot of the same issues that I've had. So, I was uh, actually injured in Afghanistan. I, I was blown up three separate occasions, and mm-hmm. I had a traumatic brain injury uh, from one of those. So, or all. Or all, yes. Yeah. Um, so when I got back, I was having an issue sleeping. Um, my short-term memory was, you know, was absolute crap. You know, a lot, lot of different issues. Um, what they considered vertigo or whatever, where you have the – well, come to find out later in life, they found out that those were actually cluster seizures that I was having. And, um, approximately a year and a half ago, not quite yet, but, uh, I had my first ever grand mal seizure and almost died. And that's kind of got me where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, soon to be ex-wife, mm-hmm. uh, decided two weeks after I had that seizure that she didn't want to be with me any longer. So I, um, you know, tried to stick it out, tried to do the right thing, you know, and I have a, I have a young daughter. Ended up leaving my house back in July, moved out this way. My brother lives in Limestone here, so mm-hmm. I stayed with him for a short time, and then I found myself a, a beautiful apartment here in Bradley. Mm-hmm. Real nice spot, you know. Um, and I've been there ever since, but, you know, things have, things have gotten – they've gotten a little a little worse, you know, at the beginning, and then all of a sudden everything's just – my whole world's – like changed completely you know i i realized that the friends that i've i've had and you know all the people that have been there to support me were still there um and then the people that i lost when i was married came right back yeah and that was huge all all my army buddies um my friends that you know were obviously disrespected by my previous relationship stuff like that, that without question they came back yeah and um uh, that's been a huge saving grace for me. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and then I get to meet guys like you and Brad and and all my other veterans that I met down here. And it's just it's been amazing, you know. This whole journey, um, extremely life changing. Well, it's a community, right? And it's like when you're overseas, you had your team, squad, platoon, like whatever, and then you know, you get home and you get out and then that team's kind of gone. And then it kind of sucks because you, you're in an environment where, and you know, individual experiences may vary. I understand that. But like my experience was on my team and on my squad and in my platoon, for the most part, we all had each other's backs because we were in a fucking combat zone and we didn't know what was going to happen. Like, you know, anything could fucking happen over there to anybody uh there's no rhyme or reason to it and when you live in such a simplistic almost i'll say simplistic environment like that there's this weird trust and like kind of unconditional love that you have for your brothers your sisters over there and then you get home and like that doesn't really exist so much 
And then it's nice when you meet other veterans because Im- immediately you can connect on that, you know? And then in for you, if I remember correctly, you were getting into a rough spot and that's when you found OCB, who is now Operation Charlie Bravo, but they were Operation Combat Bike Saver. Can you talk about what it was like, where you were at, and how you found that organization and what that organization did for you? So I'd always struggled with like the Legion and the VFW. Yeah. Um, those organizations aren't really aimed towards our, our demographic, our, our generation, um, which is unfortunate because it's exactly what it's meant for. Right. Um, I, I'd, I'd reached out, I tried, you know, I tried different veterans organizations and everything. And, um, I was actually lucky enough to run into a guy that we call Vietnam Tom. And I hope he, if he ever sees this shout out to him, um, he is one of our guys at OCB, um, obviously went to Vietnam, mm-hmm. uh, just an amazing guy. And, uh, him and I started talking one day and he said, Hey, you need to, you need to come to operation combat bike saver and come check it out. And that was right after Mike Rowe had shown up. So yeah. I've been there, I've been there since probably like 2017, I would say. Mm-hmm. And, um, I walked into the shop and nobody paid any attention to me. And I was like, oh, this is kind of weird, you know? And then I, and then I was like, you know what, maybe I got to reach out. And I did. And the second I did, it's like, they embraced me, you know, right away. And it's been a brotherhood ever since. Like yep. if there's everybody that I've met there is just awesome, you know? Yeah. And I, I said it like that to, to kind of bring awareness to the fact that, that veterans are, we are pretty closed off people. Right. You know, and if you don't present yourself in some way or, you know, give us a reason to respect you or to like you, then we're not even going to give you that, you know, that respect back. And again, that kind of calls back into again what we're talking about in this episode, like peer support. Like peer supports everything. And whether yeah. it's like an official peer support group, you walk in that door to OCB and you see these other veterans in there. And I would imagine when you walked in, the reason why they left you alone was because that's the, I think that's one of the best things to do because it's not putting any pressure on you. It's not calling you out and putting you uh, all the attention on you. It's just like, all right, cool. Let's let this dude check shit out, see what he thinks. And when he's ready, we'll fucking be here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. And I, I, I'm, I was approached, obviously, you know, right, after right, that right, and stuff right. like that. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything bad. No, 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 no. no. But, um, but it's yeah, it, w- it wasn't like overbearing. Yes. It wasn't like yeah. one of those places where you walk into and you're like, yeah, I don't want to be here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right off the bat for me, it, you know, that created some comfortability, you know, and, and then I, I was able to just kind of come out of my shell a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys have known me for a few months now. You know, I'm not quiet by any means. What? I, uh, <laughs> I, you, I, you I, are not. I, no. I, I enjoy running my mouth and saying <laughs> things I probably shouldn't say. So for me, it was always hard for me to meet people, you know, cause, yeah. cause you know, if I, if I was to go to a place where what I would consider like a normal person hang out, I wouldn't fit in, you know? Right. So, um, it, it just worked out and they've always embraced me. They've always taken care of me. I've met some of, some of the greatest people that I've met since I've been here, uh, through that organization. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we always check on each other just, just, just like when we were in the military, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I, and I have those guys, I, you know, I, I just, uh, I went down for my buddy's 40th birthday down to Tennessee to see him. Yeah. Um, and he was one of my battle buddies in Afghanistan. You know, I love the guy to death. I'd do anything for him, you know, and that's, that's more or less what, what I found at OCB. That relationship 
I don't know how to describe those types of relationships to other people that don't that didn't have that because it's like again when my mom passed my battle was uh that lives that we roomed together in Afghanistan and it was our first tour together and like we went through a lot of shit together and when my and he lives in St. Louis and to this day we always try to meet up we'll we'll meet up every year or so um we give each other so much shit and whenever we see each other it's like we saw each other yesterday like it doesn't matter and this is we it was 2008 when we were over there you know what i mean and we still have that relationship and it's the easiest one of the easiest relationships in my life i would say and like when my mom died he called me the night before her wake and funeral and he was like hey dude i was gonna surprise you tomorrow but I just, and he had to like get some information about the event. And he's like, I'm on, I just want you to know I'm on my way right now. I was like, that's the type, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, dude, that made me fucking, I started crying when he told me that. Cause I was dealing with all this shit for my mom already. But it's like, that's the type, you know, those types of relationships that you have where people could live so far away, Tennessee, where the fuck ever. But it's like, when you throw out the bat signal, like they come running. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? And that is just. One of the most beautiful things about relationships, I think, that is with with people that you'd served with. But um, anyway, so OCB, they changed recently. They were Operation Combat Mike Saver, but now they're Operation Charlie Bravo because they have a lot of programs, right? And yes. so can, what can you tell us about some of those programs that they have going on? So one specifically we have here in Kankakee, mm-hmm. um, you guys know very well, is Lima Charlie. Yes. That's our peer support group. Yes. Um, the best way I like to describe that is, you know, um, Jason Zademan, the founder of OCB, kind of created his own recipe on on how to how to run a peer support group and and you know, kind of how to direct the, I guess what you would consider counseling. I hate to call it, call it counseling because right. that's not, you know, um, but he kind of created this this ideal, and that's what we follow. And you know, nobody then there is a licensed professional. We're all veterans. We've all seen very similar things. And, you know, we, we like to focus on, obviously, if somebody's going through something, we, we really try to put it out there and, and, and try to step up for them and be the best that we can be for them. But then again, if nobody's going through anything, we kind of like to maintain that. Yeah. You know, through banter and, you yep. know, and bullshit and stories. And, you know, so it the best part for me was or is that it creates that camaraderie again. And it gives us a reason to serve each other again and, and be battle buddies and, you know, and stuff like that and, and reach out and, and create that relationship that we need. Yep. You know, and Brad and I, we've been attending since the very beginning and, uh, it's been awesome. It's every Monday night. If you were in Kankakee County or any surrounding county and you want to come check it out, it's at Guardian Concepts. Uh, you can look up the address and we can we can add it in the link or uh, the description for this episode. But it's 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, and every Monday, Guardian Concepts, rain or shine, you know, we're there and, and it's been amazing. Um, what made you want to start this peer support group here? So... When you and I met, yeah. I was in a really, really low place in my in, in my life. Yeah. I'd, um, um, I was living with my brother. You know, I was I was down in the dumps. I've always been a very responsible person. You know, I I I work full time, take care take care of myself. You know, I uh, so I've never been in this situation. Even yeah, even right. when I was eighteen years old, I was able to take care of myself. Right. Know? Um. So dealing with everything that I was dealing with on top of, you know, all that stress and, you know, my, 
I'm having issues with my daughter now, you know, right. her, her mother's done a number on her. So I was in a really low place. And, um, the one thing that always, you know, brought me back was going to shop days at OCB on Sunday. Yeah. And, uh, they started this Lima Charlie, uh, peer support group out there on Thursday nights. Well, we're an hour from Crown Point, Indiana now. Right. So it's impossible for me to get there. So, um, before I met you, I had talked to Jason about maybe bringing one out this way. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, funny story, how you and I met, I, I, um, I showed up to, um, uh, steam hollow in Mantino. Yep. And I went to your booth, project headspace and timing booth. And I was asking some questions and actually Ashley was there, your wife. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, um, I think she knew something was up. Like she knew I was upset or something. And, and she goes, Hey, see that guy with the black hair standing over there? I said, yeah. She goes, that's Eric. Go over there and talk to him. He, he runs this. She didn't even tell me she was your wife or anything like that. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't admit that either. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I married up. It's an according to Jim situation. <laughs> like I'm Jim Belushi or John Belushi or whichever Belushi was in according to Jim and she's my hot wife. I've made peace with it. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she pointed me out. Yeah. She pointed you out. You know, I, I think she was a little ashamed, but she did. Yeah. Yep. I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I meet my wife. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I make up for it with my personality guys. And my charming <laughs> Charming wit. Talking about married down, you will have a conversation with my wife. Yeah, yeah. That, that poor woman. I, yeah, well, let's not get into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's when I came over, and you and I started talking, and and you obviously knew there was something going on with me. Yeah. You know, um, and you talked to me for an hour, yeah. and I walked out of there with a whole different perspective. And that's when I, I, you know, I brought that concept to you, and and thought. You know, because I obviously didn't want to come out here and and step on Project Headspace and Timing's toes. Nah, you know, no. yeah. you guys are a great organization. I, I, you know, I definitely wanted to partner with you guys, and and uh, I really appreciate all the all the help and support that you guys gave me because we got this up and running the next Monday, mm-hmm. and we had our first meeting with five guys, and now we're about fifteen strong, yep. and it's um, at least fifteen. Like it rotates because everybody's got you know fucking schedules and shit yeah. with their kids and stuff, which I get, but. Yeah, absolutely. And we have yeah. we also have female veterans too. I want you know, I want that to be known. Everybody's welcome one hundred percent. You yes. know, I definitely don't want to single out just just the the male, you know, like the male group of veterans. Like everybody's welcome. We we definitely want any veteran to come in and 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 you know and accept our help or help us, you know, because we've had guys come in and you know, they brought a whole different perspective to the whole meeting and changed changed the whole tempo. And, you know, that, that helps out big time. Yeah, and it's been awesome. And like that hour that we talked, like the whole thing about it was, and I told you before, like I don't feel like I said anything crazy. I just like you were a veteran. I saw that you were going through some shit and I let you know, like, yo, dude, like you have a community here. You got the brotherhood, sisterhood, everything that you had over there, like it's here too. And we got your back. We love you unconditionally. No fucking judgment. Whatever you need, like you got it. And like the whole stepping on toes thing was like, you know, there's an old adage. It's like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And it's like, yeah, you, you bring another organization to this area. Why wouldn't we be a fan of it? Like there's no organization, there's no veteran organization that like has like what, it, what do you want to call it? Like 
that owns this fucking territory. Like everybody's working together and doing their own shit. And the thing about it was, is that other groups had come to me about doing peer support groups. Um, but the thing of it was a lot of them were either not veterans themselves or they were coming from it from very much the professional perspective, which I totally agree. There's a time and a place for that. Like, like the, the more opportunities and groups that exist for veterans and, and assistance for veterans, great. We need all of them. But Based on the veterans that I was dealing with with our organization, I just that didn't seem like the right fit for me. And I met you, and I knew that your heart was in the right place. And I knew what you wanted to do and why you wanted to do it. And I knew you were working through your own stuff too. And that's why, in my opinion, I thought you were the best person to run it because you were dealing with your own shit too. And you reached out. You were willing to be vulnerable enough to talk to me, a fucking stranger at the time, about what you had going on in your life in that fucking bar. And so I knew that you would be the best person to run a group that would encourage other veterans to come in. And it's been awesome just because before we get into it, the things that I appreciate the most about that group is it's a place where you can share what you feel un free of judgment with everybody. Yeah. And like it's understood, excuse me, that what you say in there stays in there. Yeah, absolutely. Shoot your mouth off about whatever you want to shoot your mouth off about. Because when we're overseas, Shit is happening in people's lives back home. You know, got a Dear John letter, got this happened, that happened. And we're dealing with these very real conversations in a combat zone. And we're open and we're able to talk about whatever we need to talk about. Because if I was your team leader, you were my team leader, if we have a mission to go on, I need you to be operating fucking here. And so whatever it is you got to get out, let's hash all that stuff out as best as we can. Because I want you to be able to be at as close to 100% mission ready as possible when we roll out right absolutely and so yeah it's just been um it's been awesome having this group here and brad what, what's what's been your opinion about uh because you've come with me yeah to Lima charlie too and you i think yeah. you've gotten some benefits from it yeah oh i love it yeah i love it. it's a it's a social outing you know and it's Which is also being, important yeah and just being around other veterans dude i I, yeah. I absolutely love it yeah well um, so let's get into a little bit about the uh, nuts and bolts of uh, peer support groups. I want to talk about the history of peer support groups and where they actually came from and started. So this is according to ColoradoMentalWellness.org. Uh, research suggests that peer support originated 18th century. France didn't really receive widespread attention until 19th and 20th, 20th centuries. Uh, many survivors of the psychiatric system wrote pamphlets, established advocacy programs, and tried to bring their stories and experiences to the public. However, it wasn't really until the 70s, the 1970s, in the wake of the civil rights movement, that these stories actually managed to break through to the public opinion and survivors of psychiatric abuse started to be able to find each other. Uh, in the 70s, patients were released from state institutions that were closing due to lack of funding uh, with zero community support. Many communities didn't want them in their neighborhoods. Uh, There's so much stigma around mental health, behavioral health. Uh, ex-patients were all considered like dangerous, unstable members of society. And that's where the peer movement began. Uh, these ex-patients began to find each other, created lasting relationships, supporting each other through their lived experiences. Uh, that they shared, they supported each other through the sharing of those lived experiences, which is so fucking important. And that's why peer support groups work, regardless of what it is. It's like when my wife... Um, after she had our first, um, she was dealing with a little bit of postpartum depression, which is a normal thing for women that have kids. And so it's like, as her husband, I'm sitting there trying to tell her everything I can to be as supportive as I can. And I can only help so much, but who helped better than me? 
was another woman that had been through what she had been through. I mean, it doesn't just apply to veterans. It's just anybody that's been through some shit. It just works if you talk to somebody else that's been through something else too. So um, that definitely, you know, obviously that that's kind of at the focal point of the peer support movement. Um, that peer support movement, which offered an alternative to traditional mental health care by way of peer support, is a process that includes empathetic sharing, linking to resources, and non-judgmental dialogue with your peers, like we just fucking said. Non-judgmental dialogue. It's everything. Um, <laughs> though, just, yeah. Sorry, that's just, you know, not judgmental, but, you know, Liam and Charlie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm a Marine and I ate crayons. Who cares? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Read, but listen, it's fine. He can color by number. He gets it right most of the time. Stays and in the lines as best as he can. Not only do I get a color by number, I also get a delicious snack to go along with it. Mm-hmm. So oh, hey, that's also true. just just to back you up here a little bit, Brad. Um, no, nobody uh, took time to mention that uh, Mr. National Guard over here is used like a tampon <laughs> once a month. Um, so I wanted Tell to put why. that out there. Tell me why, as a National Guardsman, I found myself. Outside of the nation, tell me why. Tell me why that happened. You know what I mean. That was the longest weekend of my fucking life. <laughs> longest weekend of my fucking life. I call I call it piss poor planning because you know the the, the, the first time that I uh, was ever backed up by a carpenter on a saw. You know uh, the the guy had. Um, you know, he went to basic training and he had about seventy days of experience in the military. Yeah, um, and he was coming out to back me up. Um. Yeah, I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Probably could have built one hell of a house, but if we were taking fire, my ass was in trouble. It was the weirdest thing being a National Guardsman because you're just like, there's a negative stigma that also comes with that, obviously, which I'm just like, whatever about. And yeah, when we found out that we were getting deployed, you know, the whole thought of like going active, you know, I crossed my mind and then I found out we were getting deployed and I'm like, okay, do I want to go active with a unit where I don't fucking know anybody? Or do I just want to deploy with these guys that I've been meeting with? But it was the one thing that I do credit to being in the National Guard was being that I had a foot in the civilian world and a foot in the military world. I think that helped me when I got back because I still had an understanding of how I could try to function in the civilian world, even though, you know, there are times it worked, times it didn't. You know what I mean? But yeah, there's definitely, and it's like, yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of negative stigma that comes with the National Guard, which I'm, Fucking, I don't give a shit. Um, well, I, I, my most of my first deployment actually uh, to Iraq, we served with the California National Guard. Um, they did; uh, t- it was called Tactical Human Intelligence. So that's basically where we went out and we would snatch up oh, yeah. um, informants. Yep, and they would interrogate them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they obviously didn't have a lot of combat training, so they go to us, the 18th Airborne Corps. And they said, put together a security platoon for us. You're going to be our combat or our, our convoy patrol, and you're also going to be our muscle. So that's what we did. Oh, and nice. we worked with the California National Guard. And, uh, yeah, I don't have too much good to say about California already. <laughs> uh, it also hurt the the view that I had on the National Guard. So they bring paper straws, and they didn't let you use the plastic ones because it hurts the tortoises. Yeah. I think it hurts them because that's what they use to do all that cocaine over there. <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop the tortoises from doing so much cocaine. And that's why they tell you to use the paper straws. Uh, it's just my opinion. So, uh, okay. So the, the, the professional mental health world was slow to adopt the idea of peer support, which makes sense without me trying to make any stretches here. It's just like, yeah, I mean, if there's another service that helps these guys that doesn't involve you and could 
mean a lack of funding for you. It would make sense why you might not fucking support it. Uh, the community of ex-patients and those who live with lived experience quickly adjusted to the philosophy of peers supporting peers, both in the community and in professional mental health care settings. Once they found each other, ex-patients began to speak out. They identified the awful mistreatment of patients in state institutions, the denial of human rights that went on inside the walls of state-sanctioned mental health facilities, and advocated for system-wide change for those living with mental health conditions. Uh, so a couple of founding members uh, of the peer support movement in America, uh, Judy Chamberlain, founder and leader of early peer support and psychiatric survivors movement. Following a miscarriage in 1966, she voluntarily checked into a psychiatric care facility. Uh, however, after several voluntary holds in psychiatric centers, a, psychi a psychiatrist diagnosed her with schizophrenia, placed her in an, under an involuntary hold at Mount Sinai for five months. And then during that time, she witnessed a wider range of psychiatric abuses, involuntary restriction, over-medication. I'm so glad that it's not a problem today. <laughs> uh, regular seclusion of resistive patients, uh, even though even when those patients' forms of resistance were nonviolent. Um, after her release, uh, Judy Chamberlain traveled to Boston, joined the Mental Patients Liberation Front, an organization that advocated legislative reform for those living with mental health conditions. Mental Patients Liberation Front also sounds like a really good synonym for the infantry. <laughs> also, I just thought about that right now. Judy Chamberlain and the MPLF were at the forefront of the psych uh, psychiatric survivors movement. She co-founded some of the first drop-in centers in the country. All were staffed fully by peers and other ex-patients. In other words, people with lived experience. Her early drop-in centers focused heavily on advocacy, still do, and still do today. Her book, On My Own, became a beloved classic for survivors of the psychiatric system. Uh, another one, Sally Zinman, survived horrible psychiatric abuse at the hands of her care providers, and her experiences launched a lifelong career of advocacy and activism. Uh, she helped launch the U.S.'s First statewide peer-run organization, and to this day remains a strong voice for eliminating that stigma. And then you have Howie. Uh, he's called Howie the Harp, which I don't. I didn't find why he was called that, but whatever. He was a self-identified peer, legendary leader of the peer movement. Launched another one of U.S.'s, the United States' very first consumer-run peer-led organizations. Uh, he founded early drop-in centers, staffed by peer supporters. His life and career were dedicated to establishing advocacy groups designed to protect those experiencing homeless and poverty. So it's like mental health in the '60s and '70s. Holy fuck! Like it was a weird, scary place. Like everything yep. that I've read. God forbid you actually had a problem, but from, especially for women on that side, it was like, you could just say that, you know, your wife was having whatever issue. And like, I made plenty of jokes to my wife about this that I'm not going to do on this podcast because she'll kick the shit out of me when I get home. But it's like, it was a really rough place. Yeah, yeah. And so you finally get out and like, not only did you make it through this facility, but now everybody's looking at you like you're this dangerous piece of shit. And so what are you supposed to do? So, yeah, obviously they started to cling to one another yeah. to try to share that mutual experience, right? And oh, I absolutely. I think that's incredibly important. Um, so as far as like why peer support groups are so needed, what do you guys think? Like why, what do you, why do you think peer support groups are needed? Well, in all honesty, yes. you know, going back to the uh, over-medication, <sighs> that's, that's – it's an atrocity when mm -hmm. it comes to the, to the VA. Mm -hmm. You know, the first thing they want to do is jam pills down your throat. Right. Yep. 
and they never give you that opportunity to to be seen by somebody that that could possibly say you know like you know go and try this go go for a walk go fishing go do something along those lines right you know uh but instead what we're going to do is we're going to give you something that makes you drool and sit in a corner for three fucking hours yeah you know that that that's what kind of broke me with that i also you know my my ex made sure i was heavily medicated all the time because she liked to make purchases against my will Mm -hmm. and uh as long as i had my medication she was able to do that yeah so um uh, along with that, though, is I don't trust a lot of people that I talk to. Right. I especially. Why, Why do you think that? Is it because you're you think they're going to run their mouth to somebody or is it because you think it's just a wasted effort? Because I, I feel, feel the same way. I feel like it's a wasted effort because yep. um, how is somebody that doesn't understand what I've been through going to tell me what, what I've been through or about what I've been through? Right. How are they going to explain to me how I can go out and fix my mental state after the shit that I've been through when they read a few books and said, Oh, we know exactly what to do. Right. You know, and, and I, I had a, a couple instances with the VA where I got up and walked out. Yeah. You know, cause yeah. I, I had one guy hand me a, a, a pamphlet and he was like, you need to fill this out. And after you fill it out, I'll determine, you know, what your treatment's going to be. And I went, how about we do this, man? How about uh, you fill the pamphlet out? I'm going to fucking leave and I'm going to go find another psychiatrist or psychologist, whatever the fuck you call it, because this is bullshit. You know, he looked like the scientist from Independence Day on top of it. So that didn't, that <laughs> oh, didn't help Oh, the one where the Go, alien wrapped the thing around his neck? Around his neck yeah, and yeah, pushes yeah. him up against the yep. glass? Yeah, 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 that already fucking creeped me out. Yeah. But on top of that, the guy had no interest in speaking to me to see what I wanted to do or how I wanted to move forward. And then... They also created this this cognitive therapy bullshit. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys have ever been a part of that cognitive yeah. therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's the biggest waste of fucking time. What What about it was a waste of time for you? Um, they wanted me to write a diary every week and yeah. then come in yeah. and explain, you know, and, and I'm like, hey, I come and talk to you once a week. Why the fuck do I have to write a diary? Yeah. And I think they have a cookie cutter approach to things from the VA, which I understand, honestly, because they deal with so many veterans. Do I think it's the best thing? I don't know. Maybe if they're helping more veterans than they're hurting. As far as the diary thing is concerned, like, again, it all comes down to fucking communication. And I say it because of this. Like, do I think it helps to journal some of my shit down and then come back to it later? For me, it does. I don't – and, again, it's it's all – it all comes down to like, I guess the context of it. It's not like, like I sit, I lay on my bed with my feet up and my hands propped and I'm like, dear diary, you know what I mean? Like today was so weird. And like, I thought that was the only way to do it. <laughs> Wait, what? Actually, <laughs> actually I envision you like that every time I think. I Actually, it's what yeah. I do. It's what I do. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's why the only option. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what Eric's doing tonight. Yeah. It's like, I had to, like, I'm just, just complaining about, you know, why my wife. Uh, makes fun of me and stuff and you and, <laughs> no, wonder but it's like so when it comes to like journaling shit down I actually do do that I don't write it down in a journal but I do text things to myself and this is what I do like if I have a thought that I think is very significant and it really means something to me whether it be the way that I felt about something 
if I'm having a disagreement with my wife, anything like that, I will legitimately like write something down to myself because I want to I want to think about this later. And I think it's a thought that requires some significant unpacking or pondering or whatever. And to that degree, it makes sense. But if you're just going to sit here with zero conviction across from me and I don't know you and I don't think you have any experience at all and you're just going to be like, I think you should write a diary or you should keep a diary and just write in it every day and be like, okay, can I go now? <laughs> like, So I understand that and I it, the well, cookie cutter approach does frustrate me sometimes. For sure. Well, I mean, here was my biggest argument about it. So you want me to write my thoughts down, the thoughts that I want to forget about. The thoughts that I don't want to think about on a regular basis, the stuff that the, you know, when I close my eyes at night, I dream about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't want to write that stuff down. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to process it. Um, you know, they called it like an exposure therapy is basically what, what it's been explained to me. Right. Uh, You know, why the fuck do I want to be exposed to it? And I can't speak to this, obviously, from a professional sense, because I'm definitely fucking not. But there I know that I've seen things that have been coming out about how um, as far as like mental health is concerned, you know, they're starting to understand that exposure therapy isn't always the best thing. Like sometimes there's other different types of therapies that they need to go through because of exactly what you're talking about. Like sometimes you don't want to think about that. Most of the time you don't want to think about that shit you're trying to forget that shit and so to have a type of therapy that makes you dive into it on a routine basis especially if it's done by somebody with that you don't feel any connection with no shared experience like yeah i completely understand and i think that's one of the biggest issues for that type of therapy but i do agree with that. that's what and and you know what i've talked to a lot of the guys that in these peer support groups and that's the exact reason why we are where we are yeah yeah um you know i've I've been lucky enough to have the exposure to these programs. I've, I know a lot of veterans that haven't. I've I've lost a couple of friends to suicide since I've been home. Yeah. yeah. Um, suicide being one thing that I would never consider, um, even in my deepest, darkest point. Uh, you know, I hate to admit it, homicide once in a while. <laughs> um, you know, I have self-control, you know, obviously. I got uh, troubled by the VA because they asked me about that once. They're like, have you ever thought about hurting anybody else? And I was like, listen. <laughs> okay, this was after the pandemic. Like, you've never thought about hurting anybody? Go fuck yourself. Like, somebody's never caught you, uh, cut you off in traffic, and you're like, I hope they get hit by a cement truck in five minutes. Like, you, yeah. you've never – you know what I mean? But – and when I said that, the – it was my neurologist, I think. He like looked at me with this disgusted face. I'm like, what the fuck ever, man? I think that's a bullshit question. But anyway, yeah. So before I came here, I was watching the Cubs game. Yeah. I'm a huge Cubs fan. Yes. So I I do love my Cubbies. Yep. Um, And they had Patrick Wisdom mic'd up. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this podcast before I came here. And I thought, man, if I was mic'd up. Even for a day, my ass would be in <laughs> in in ten seconds because the shit that comes out of my mouth, I, I, and I, you know, I don't have a restrictor as it mm-hmm. is. It, it gets tough at times, mm-hmm. but yeah, I my ass would be locked away in no time. They seriously, they'd be there'd be a paddy wagon following me around. Well, well and, and then sorry, sorry, the, no, the fact go. that you just admitted you were a Cubs fan too, it deserves you deserve to be locked. Yes, up. no. Fuck you. What? Love the Cubs. <laughs> All about the Cubs too. Um, Jesus. But uh, just 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 to put it out there, the White Sox did lose seventeen to five last night. So that that was a great. First game. of all, it was sixteen to six. 
<laughs> Second of all, watch your fucking tone. <laughs> uh, sorry, man. I'll give you the extra point. <laughs> Second of all, it's early. All right. We'll figure it out. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like I said, dude, what we were talking about was like last night. I was like, when I was a Cubs, I've been a Cubs fan. The reason why I was a Cubs fan was because I, I grew up with my hanging out with my grandparents and they were always watching the Cubs. And so I was always watching the Cubs. And that's just why I've been to plenty of Sox games because you get a discount if you're a veteran. I can't remember if you're actually a veteran. But. Actually, uh, on home games, they probably they bring a lot of the homeless people in from the South Side. So yeah. the way it looks like they have fans. Oh, that's why they do that. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've noticed that because I work on the South Side of Chicago a lot. Yeah, during, during Sox games, there's no homeless people asking for money because they're all at the game. <laughs> the best part was when it was guaranteed right field. It's not guaranteed right field. It is. It is, is it guaranteed. still guaranteed yeah. right field? Yeah. Gigantic red arrows pointing down. Like that's yeah. I just that's like a negative feeling. Like you're just like that's guaranteed right field. So I can't believe they changed that. Name. So I, I love I love that. You know, like you, you you know how you pass a fast food restaurant and they're like, yeah, we got two cheeseburgers, a, a large fry, and a large drink for ninety nine cents. Mm-hmm. The White Sox do the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. Every time you drive past the stadium, they're like, "Oh, it's family night. You get a uh, seventy-five free tickets, a slice of pizza, and a Budweiser. Come, come on out, bring your whole family. It's dog night." And you got to admit, have you been to Wrigley? Yes. It's man. When you walk out of Wrigley, it's it's fun. I got like, to I got to rebuild Wrigley in twenty fifteen. Did you? A buddy yeah. of mine. He's a, a iron worker. You know him. He also was a part of. I believe the the rebuild over at Wrigley. They should have just burnt it down. Mm -mm 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 -mm. (laughs) Be jealous. Um, So, as we were saying and and talking about uh, the the necessity of peer support groups, we want to talk about do peer support groups work? What are the pros and the cons? So, Brad, what do you have as far as the cons? So, I'm gonna start with yeah with the cons. Um, So, according to CaregivingNetwork.com, one of the biggest cons is like. People have problems speaking in front of each other, so it causes more anxiety. Which is, so it just, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Uh, another con, um, it's run on a trust-based system, uh, so there's no HIPAA laws protecting what's said. So, like, with our support group, I, I think, like, as veterans, we know we're not going to go and talk shit about each other. Stitches get stitches. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's a that's a good one. Right. Um, there's no <laughs> there's no mandated training um, or certification for whoever leads the uh, – the groups, which while I agree, that's also the fucking point. Uh, I think so. There's no sensitivity either. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, true. That's, there isn't. There isn't. There isn't. Well, because when you see somebody that's having, you know, they're having a fucking day. Like I feel like when because in a peer support group like uh, Lima Charlie, I take for example, we a lot of us that have been going from the very beginning, we know what we all look like on the average day to day, and we know when one of us is like, "Yo, hey." We got to check on old boy because he's not doing great today. Yeah. And we try to like not push, but just let him know like, hey, you know, we're your group. We're your people. We know something's going on. If you want to talk about it, this is the place. So to that point, I think we are. Yeah. But like as far as everything else, like it's not like we baby each other. No, right? it, you know not, what I mean? We're not rubbing each other's shoulders and not shit. You know, like yet. <laughs> you did have that masseuse, the veteran we, who's we, also a, a masseuse. Who God, I had, I had to bring that up, didn't I? Yeah, dude. Actually, yeah. actually, yeah, he's he's a great guy. Yeah. And, and I wish I wish him the best. He hasn't been there in a couple weeks. So mm-hmm. if, if he's seeing this, we'd lo- definitely love to have you back. Man. Absolutely. For sure. Um. You know, it's just for me. I have a really hard time when the, you, you try to do that sentimental crap. 
you know. Right. Yeah. Play on your emotions type of thing. I agree. Like, I just, the vibe that I've always gotten from you is just very straightforward, blunt to the point is the best way to go about it. And like, if somebody's having a real hard time, then there's a way to kind of like cater to that without doing the overly emotional sentimental type thing like i under, i think i understand yeah i, I think yeah i, I, I try that. to if 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 i'm leading i try to draw it out by you know like pre- presenting it to that person you know like you know obviously we see there's an issue or or if you've got something let's talk about it yep you know and then as we go i i like to kind of draw out the humor in the situation Absolutely. because that's yep. more or less how i how I deal with things. It's the best coping mechanism there is. And I mean that sincerely. Yeah, like, it, it could be the, it could be the, the grossest thing you've ever yeah. heard in your life. Mm-hmm. And if there's humor to it, it helps the situation, whether yeah. it's, I, I just feel like because you're so emotionally charged, it's easy to kind of go from emotion to emotion. Like, I feel like it's easy to go from being really sad to really angry, but it's also <laughs> easy to go to that humor place. I think because it's like when I've been at my saddest, I've been able to make a joke or somebody has been able to make a joke. And it's been able to like get me out of it a little bit. Yeah. So I could agree with that. Yep. What, what other cons did you find? Was that was that all cons? Oh, uh, I think there was one more. So, uh, yep. Participation can vary, so you never know who's going to show up, right? So it could sure. just be your neighbor, yep. somebody, you know. So it depends, I guess, if you're embarrassed about why you're going to the support group, which I don't think you should be. But if you are, and someone you know shows up, it could be kind of. That's that's part of overcoming that stigma and that's why i like the thing with peer support groups like just going in and you can just kind of chill and if you don't want to talk you don't have to talk yep. you sit there and listen yep. well i mean you guys know that lima charlie's not about that though we like to single out that that get the new guy you well know? yeah yeah that's true yeah but like it's not singling out in my opinion in such a way where it's just like tell us what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> it's no, like I- you're just like hey man you know you're new here we want to learn about you just yeah. share us, share with us what a day in your life is like. We, yep, yeah, we give you, know you what I mean. We give you your platform, yeah, and you say as much as you want. You know, you kind of give us your background, give us an idea, and it's, you know, as you become more comfortable, it gets easier. But yeah, you know, we do try to put people on the spot to start to just kind of give them their platform and and just say, hey, you know, you're here for a reason. Yeah, you know, let, yeah. let's let's give you your chance. If you don't feel comfortable about it, then we'll move on. You'll have to listen to me talk shit for an hour. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. But no. Um, <laughs> or we'll have to watch Brad eat crayons in the corner for. You know. I just got to find him first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I got a couple. Of, I'm going to, I'm going to wait. Uh, what, what do you have for, uh, for, for all the benefits of being in a peer support? Group? Yeah. According to helpguide.org, um, it's a safe place where you can talk about your emotions, um, and circumstances with others who are also going through the same, um, right. They're the same thing and they won't judge you for it. Um, you can learn better coping strategies. Um, again, you can, you go, you grow through shared experiences with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you focus on self care. Um, it, you can maintain a sense of hope. Um, and then also from caregiving network.com, uh, support groups are free. Yep. Don't need any type of insurance. Don't need anything like that. Yep. So it's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. And, um, groups are led by people who have lived through the experience. Um, so that's also another good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. Absolutely. I'd, I'd definitely yeah. rather talk to somebody that knows or has an idea of what I've seen rather than somebody that, you know, read about it in a book. Not only that, but the learning better coping strategies. I also like that one a lot because, again, pulling back from like my experience with Luma Charlie, 
uh, when, dude, I started going to Lima Charlie fucking right after my mom died. And like one of the first meetings, those are first, like I opened up and I'm that type of dude where I'll, I'll, I don't care uh, what people think about me if I'm sharing how I genuinely feel about things, you know? And so if I'm having a hard time, I'm going to talk about it. And so I brought that in, I talked about it and there was another dude in there who also lost a parent, like, I think it was a little bit longer uh, as far as like how long ago it was, but like he got it immediately and he looked at me and he connected with me and he said some things when I shared what I had to share that I never thought about before that also gave me another little bit of peace. And like, so you hear like all these people that you're at this peer support group with are going through something within the, the realm of whatever you're going through. And so it's so nice to hear those types of things because it's not coming from a professional. It's coming from yeah. someone who's trying to fucking figure it out like you and that worked for them. And you never even thought about that before. And I love that. I think that's really beneficial. Well, and what do you consider a professional to be honest with you? I think maybe just college educated with yeah. a degree and working in that field. Well, what I would say. One thing I like to say is, you know, what, what do you call a guy that get a, got a C in uh, medical school? A doctor. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, it, it, to me, just because you have a degree doesn't mean, you know, you know what you're talking about. Well, yeah. and from the military side of things, it's like the difference between officers and enlisted, right? It's like you have officers that they have the degree, but they don't fucking know what they're talking about, which is why they get paired with an enlisted guy, you know, platoon sergeant, whoever, because they're the ones with the shared lived experience. I kind of, I see that a lot too. You know what I mean? Where yeah. it's like, I understand why it's applicable. I understand why we need to have that person there, but it's just, we can't put, we have to have an open mind, um, a mind open enough to understand that there's other ways that could really be beneficial to these people. And so with the benefits that you discussed, I found a couple also uh, from Mental Health America. This is mhanational.org. They actually did a study. It was pretty cool as far as like peer support groups and uh, the benefits to it. So the big takeaways from their study that you can find it, and like I said, if you want to find this, go to mhanational.org. From an individual level evidence, they found that there was increased quality of life outcomes, i.e. increases in employment, reduction in symptoms, increased trust, engagement, and retention in the mental health care system, increased whole health, meeting goals, increased hopefulness, life satisfaction, more meaningful relationships, and a decrease in substance use. Those are very significant findings uh, from peer support groups. Uh, from a system level evidence perspective, they found that there were 70 to 90% fewer inpatient days, 50 to 70% lower re-hospitalization rates, um, lowered overall cost of mental health services, cost effective and essential form of preventative care as a part of a stepped care model. So yeah, lower rehospitalization rates. Like I can't tell you how many veterans that we've worked with that have been into some sort of treatment program somewhere. And some of them, there's a good amount that have been in multiple times because they get in, they get all the tools, they get out. And like, then what? Like, then they're back to their life. They're back to their environment. They're back around the same people that are making the same fucking mistakes. Like, what do you expect them to do? And so, yeah, yeah I can see how some of them can get into a bad spot and then they need to go again. But if you have a peer support group, you're changing your environment and your and environmental change is huge. And I think I've mentioned this a few times before. There was a study done on Vietnam veterans that were addicted to heroin. And they looked at when they came from Vietnam back to the United States, the government did a study on this. And I, I, can't, I can't remember any information like where to find this, but I know that this happened. Um, they found that 90% of the veterans that were addicted to fucking heroin 
kicked it overnight when they got home. Why? Because there's a change in their environment. Yeah. One of the most addictive substances that there is because there's a change in environment. Like environment's everything. And so when you're putting yourself in an environment with other people that understand, support you, and love you unconditionally, like, yeah, of course it's going to help you as far I like it makes sense to me how it's going to help you as far as your own mental health journey and like what it is you're trying to to achieve with your mental health. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um that's that's one thing that the OCB really prov- prides himself on is is creating that you know that atmosphere. That absolutely. place it's a, it's a constant place to go every Sunday, you know, out out in Crown Point, Indiana. Yep. We have shop day. Yep. And it's a full day. You know, and we, we have, we've had a lot of, of, a lot of people come in that admit to having those issues, you know, whether it be substance abuse, whether it be, you know, um, threat to harm themselves, suicide, you know, homicide, whatever, whatever it is, you know, they come in and, and, and they get that support and it changes, you know, it changes the, the, the whole outcome for them, you know, more or less, and you know, what, what their whole goal is, you know, going forward. And, uh, that was, that was my motivation behind Lima Charlie. You know, because eventually I want to bring this program out here mm-hmm. to its full extent. Um, you know, you, the the best way to explain it is, you know, you you kind of you fall in into into this group and you start from the bottom and work your way up to the top. Right. You know, um, for those that don't know about it, a uh, veteran's given a motorcycle. He's given a budget on that motorcycle, and he's and they he or she. Let, let me let me say that. Uh, we do have our first female veteran that's building a motorcycle Saw right that. now. And it's, it's, it's just awesome. Yep. Um, and everybody in the shop is there to help. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you have any experience working on motorcycles or not. Even if you're just there, you know, we have places you can go sit down, hang out. We have music therapy. We have all kinds of other stuff. So yep. there's so many different programs. Uh, we're tra- actually trying to start the FAT program here in, in uh, Kankakee. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fat program being just a fitness and training program. Uh, hopefully we'll have that up and going here pretty soon. I'm still, uh, still working on that. And yep. thanks to Eric over here, Eric did most of the muscle work and, uh, and got us set up with the YMCA. So hopefully we can have that in motion here pretty soon. Um, yeah, just creating any like routine, uh, things that are like constructive and productive uses of a veteran's time. Like I'm always going to be a fan of, and you like asked me about that. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's great. Get, getting veterans together to work out. Like that's huge. You know what I mean? And so many veterans that I know that I've spoken with, they want that physical, like they, they want to be able to do that work again. They want to be able to do something, but they might be hindered by an injury, something else. And now they're at this place where they don't know if they want to go to the gym. So to be, again, surrounded by some other like-minded folks, it's just an evolved form of a peer support group, right? But you're doing something fucking constructive. Just, you're lifting weights. Just finding a purpose. Yeah. Even. Yep. You know, you're as, building a motorcycle. Yep. You're doing something around other people to get it. Yep. It, create, I mean? it creates a purpose and, it, and, you know, it gives that person the opportunity yep. to kind of adjust to a a whole different lifestyle. Yep. I love that. Um, but now, so as far as peer support groups, there are some different types, Brad. Yeah. You we, find? Uh, we've got in-person and virtual, right? So uh, help guide kind of broke down a couple. There's uh, sorry, healthguide.org. Um, there's mental su- or mutual support groups, which is basically just your normal support group. You just go in, someone leads it who has experience. Yep. Um, there's the 12 step 
uh, self-help programs, which um, is typically for like your AA or drug addiction or trying to quit an addiction. Um, and then you have your online support groups, which is useful when it comes to um, when the support you're looking for is not very common. So like for my example, vision impaired community, very small. Yeah. People who lost their vision later in life who weren't born blind, even smaller. Right. So I reached out to a lot of support groups um, like on Facebook and just looking for someone who was in the same boat as me. Um, did you find it? I did. Yeah, I've met a couple of really cool dudes. Um, I mean, I've never met them in person, but, you know, we text and stuff like that. And it, it pretty, pretty awesome people. And was that helpful for you? It was because it, it, I thought I was like, okay, like nobody gets it. Nobody has any right. freaking clue what I'm going through. Like yeah. they have no idea. And because, you know, a lot of people when this, when my accident happened, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I feel so bad. You know, I, I understand. Like, no, no, you fucking don't. Right. Like, you don't get it. You have no idea. It's like you're not looking for pity either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. at least with, with that group, I was able to, meet, you know, meet people who did have, you know, one of, one of the guys I met, he was um, like the L.A. County SWAT team and just lost his vision. And now he's a dispatch and he just. You know, some, sometimes you just need to talk to somebody that got through it to know it's fucking possible. Yeah. And, yeah, also, yeah. and like initially I, I used to kind of, I don't know, talk a little bit of shit about like a virtual support group, but it made sense when you told me that it was like, well, what if it's such a small group of people yeah. that you can't just fucking go somewhere? You know what I mean? Like yeah. and, and to be able to have a virtual support group like that has its space for sure too. Yeah. That definitely made yeah, sense. Absolutely. Um, so a couple of questions. If you are thinking about joining a peer support group, here's some questions that you should probably ask before joining. Now, support groups definitely vary in how they're organized and led. Before joining a support group, uh, ask some of these questions. Uh, one, is the group designed for people with a specific medical condition or a certain stage of disease? Uh, also, does this group meet... a for a set period of time or does it continue indefinitely? I think that's an important one. I like knowing that a group's going to meet for a certain point of time, a certain amount of time. That's why I like Luma Charlie. It's something you can schedule. It's routine yep. every Monday, seven to nine. Got it. You know what I mean? Um, where does the group meet? At what times and how often does the group meet? Is there a facilitator or a moderator? Has the facilitator undergone training? Is a mental health expert involved with the group? What are the guidelines for confidentiality? That's an important one that you should probably ask, right? Like it's important to know how confidential it's going to be so I know if I can share what I want to share. Yep. Um, are there established ground rules for group participation? Also like that one. What's a typical meeting like? Is it free? And if not, what are the fees? Um, you definitely want to ask some questions before you get involved into something just to know what you're getting into. Uh, some red flags that might indicate a problematic support group include the promise of a sure cure for your disease or condition. Like, yeah, for fucking sure. If anybody's like, we're going to take care of everything. You're going to sit down with us and everything's going to be okay. Um, I feel like those are the ones that cost money to join. The second red flag, high fees to attend the group. So yeah, I would agree with you on that. And then the pressure to purchase products or services. Like, yeah, no shit. Like it's a peer support group. It's crazy how simple it is. Yeah. If you need 
need to find a support group, check out, uh, talk to your doctor, talk to your clinic, talk to the hospital that you go to. There's probably going to be information there uh, about any of these support groups that you're looking for. So that'd be a, a good place to start. Um, like Lima Charlie, we have their information up at the Veterans Assistance Commission of Kankakee County. You can see their flyers up um, because they deal with veterans. So they knew that it was a good idea to have that information there. So wherever you're going for whatever's going on with you, uh, start by asking there. Uh, look up nonprofit organizations that advocate for particular medical conditions or life changes. Uh, you can also check out the National Institute of Health websites for specific diseases and conditions. Um, yeah, because I've never, I mean, have you guys been a part of any other peer support groups outside of like Lima Charlie? I would argue OCB. It's also that I mean, so many things well, that we do nonprofit wise. It's like a peer support group. You have a bunch of people with a shared experience that are trying to help out other people, and maybe we're sitting in a circle. Maybe we're working on a motorcycle. Maybe we're hiking, kayaking, mountain biking. But like, that's what it fucking is. It's peer support. Yeah. I I went on a ski trip with actually a group of blind veterans, and that was that's badass. That was it was sweet. Also a little terrifying, which I told you, but also pretty badass that, that you guys can do that kind of not shit. as scary as you think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Nice. I wouldn't be able to go, and I can see fine, and yeah. I'm a fucking terrible skier. So I mean, I would be. Ter- Did you ski or snowboard? I I was skiing. Are you a big skier? That was the first time I ever went, and you did pretty good. I only fell once, dude. Yeah, I'm not yeah. very good at any of that shit. Um, no. So other than that, I just, I don't know. I don't know what else you guys have to say about peer support groups, other than I think it's just something that should be more socially acceptable, should be more discussed, more freely discussed. I think I would love to see, I'd love to see more peer support groups popping up for any demographic of people. One one thing I can say uh, for sure is uh, finding these peer support groups, especially the veterans peer support group, as Lima Charlie has opened a lot of doors for me uh, within the veteran community Yeah, to meet the people that I need to meet to, to make my uh, quality of life better. You know, I, um, I don't look to benefit myself personally all the time, but I'm, I'm going to be selfish when I say this, that when I started Lima Charlie, I had full intention of helping others, but it helped me so much. Yeah. And you know what? Um, I've, I've met so many great people. I, um, I've had the opportunity to, to help and be helped. And that's that's what made that peer support peer support group so special to me. Yeah, was you know not only did I reach out into the community and I started something in the community, but that helped me more than I could ever express to anybody. And it's to me, um, it's it's meant a lot. It's 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 gotten me through some of the darkest things. You know, um, of course, my military service, everything that I've seen, you know, overseas and while while I was at war. It haunts me every day of my life. Yeah. But the last year, year and a half of my life has been the hardest year and a half of my life, period. And uh, if it wasn't for you guys, if it wasn't for all these veterans, these guys that I see, you know, and the ones that have opened their 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 lives up to me in some way, I I wouldn't be sitting here in front of you, the man that I am today. So. And confidentiality is very important. So leaving out, obviously, all details. To see, like... Some younger veterans come in and you can tell they got some shit on their mind. They've never been in there before. And they're just like bursting at the seams. You can tell that 
they're bursting at the seams to fucking talk about their problems because whatever their life is, whatever they're going through, whatever they're doing the other 22 hours of the day, they don't feel like they get to share what they're really thinking. And they walk in those doors and you're like, oh, this dude's got some shit to share. And then how many times has somebody come in and then their first time coming in, they had like a very emotional thing to share with everybody and they just hit us and they didn't fucking know us at all. And they just, they, they felt comfortable enough that they could say what was really on their minds. They knew that we weren't going to judge them for it. And like, sometimes people cry. Sometimes people get really mad and they want to yell. They want to scream like whatever, but it's like those types of things, you see those types of things and you know that, man, I'm so glad that we have this for that person. Cause otherwise, where were you going to go with that energy? Yeah. Where were you going to go with those feelings? And to have these people that now like this, when you have a good peer support group, you'll find that you have people that just like, this is also a place for them to go. Cause like there are some veterans that they don't have a lot of other opportunities. Maybe they're limited by transportation or whatever, but they always make a point to find a way to come to that support group. Cause that's their, their social place. That's where they can yep. come and talk to other people and then getting to know everybody and their quirks and all this other stuff without getting into it. We have one dude who's an older veteran and he just says ridiculous shit sometimes. And I feel like I've, I've made a point to say multiple times, like we need to stop and just write down the shit that he says. <laughs> yes. Older veteran, not a Vietnam veteran. One of the best things that I've ever heard him say was he said, if you have, he goes, if you got one foot in the future and one foot, in the past, you're pissing on your present. He said that <laughs> when he was giving advice to like one of the younger guys that came in. And I remember I was just like, yo, 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 we gotta stop. We gotta stop really quick. <laughs> I want to address what the fuck he just said. Cause that's a mate. Like he just yep. imparted this Mr. Miyagi type wisdom. And it's just, it's cool to get to know these other guys uh, and gals just understand that to hear the stories that some of them bring to the table when you are in a place where you think that nobody understands what you're going through. Cause you forget, you get out, you get home and then you get in this weird place of isolation and you don't think anybody fucking understands you. And then you sit down at a peer support group and somebody sitting over there that looks like they have everything together or whatever opens their mouth and shares a story that makes your jaw hit the fucking floor. And you're just like, Oh, other people do get it. This fucking person gets it. You know, now I can share what I'm thinking cause I know I'm in the right place. And you know what? I can't tell you how many times I've had people come up to me even before I started this one here in Lima Charlie, even when we were just doing it at OCB, you know, they come up and like, man, I didn't know what, what to expect. Yeah. And walking out of here, I feel, I feel comfortable. I feel, you know, like everything that I expected, it was the opposite. I'm not, I wasn't uncomfortable, you know, everything was great. Yeah. So, um, you know that that for me is is comforting to to know that, that that somebody can walk in there being stressed out, uncomfortable, and then walk out. You know, like wow, that yeah. that really helped. Oh yeah, um, especially when the conversations go on beyond the listed time that's yeah. supposed to end. Well, and that's that's the thing about um, Lima Charlie. You know, we don't have a stop time. We say right. seven to nine, right? But we stay until everybody's until everybody's taken care of until everybody's ready to go home. And, you know, um, thanks to guardian concepts for opening their doors to us. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Awesome guy. You know, a little story about them. You know, I, uh, when I was talking to you that night, I turn 
and we were talking to John and, and I said, you know, I just got to find a facility and without missing a beat, John said, you can use my place. And it, he didn't even think, you know, just came out of his mouth. I know other people are like that. I know other communities are like that, but that's still one thing that I love about the fucking veteran community. Yeah. Is it just like, oh, you're a veteran. What do you need? Here you go. Yeah. You got it. Yep. You know what I mean? Love absolutely. that. And that's the type of person that John is. Yeah, and absolutely. John, you know what I mean? But if people want to find out information about OCB, about Lima Charlie, where do they go? We got to go to our website. Yep. Hold New on. One? Let me get that for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brad, what else? What else do you got? You got anything else about peer support groups, man? No, I just highly recommend them. And yep. if you're on the fence about finding one or joining one, do it. I mean, it's it's like if you want to if you want to dip a toe in, you get into a virtual one. Yeah, you and again, I mean? even the virtual ones, even the online ones. Like like I said, I've never met these people that I we we text now, and I they share stuff with me. I share stuff with them. Like. Like we've been best friends forever. It's crazy. Well, because once you get to share that deep emotional whatever you're dealing with, like everything yeah. else is just conversation. It's oh yeah, easy at that point. You oh yeah. I, mean? I I apologize for having to look this up, especially for my guys over at OCB. Um, our our website has never actually changed; just the name. Um, it's CombatBikeSaver.org. Okay. Cool. Um, so Combat if you want to go in there and check that out, yeah, I, I apologize, oh. guys, and I'm going to take hell for that one later. <laughs> we might have to edit um, that out. Like. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And that's if anybody wants to find anything else out about OCB, the different programs they have, Lima Charlie. Now, and also I wanted to say, if other people, if other veterans are out there and they want to bring Lima Charlie to their area, what's the process? What do they got to do? It, so, you know, obviously you have to be a member of OCB yep. in order for that to happen. Right. Um, there's a few ways it can happen. Obviously, you can start coming to our Lima Charlie. We can get you tied into Operation Combat Bike Saver. Um, you know, it, it's more or less just getting the experience, getting, getting the, I, the idea, getting this, 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 this different recipe, you know, because we have a different take on it than other peer support groups. Mm -hmm. And that's more or less what we want you to learn. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, being a veteran that just has that motivation is all you need to start. Yeah. Um, that's a great organization. I've, I've never seen anyone turned down for any reason. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. you have a good idea, it's it's accepted. You know yep. what I'm saying? Um, they're more than welcoming. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough good. That, that's, you know, um, I, I'd like to challenge any veterans that are listening to this to come on out on a Monday night and just yeah. give us a chance. Yep. Um, you know, we're we're a different breed. That's for sure. We We do things differently. We obviously have our core group. And. We've all become very close in such a short time. And, you know, that's the challenge I'm going to, I'm going to pass on is come be part of that group. Come, come, you know, and help us out yep. and help yourself out at the same time, you know, bring something to the community because this is only going to go further. Yep. You know, we're, we're, you know, my intentions are to work with, with you guys, you know, yep. project headspace and timing, yep. bring this, bring this forward and, and, and create something huge out of this you know for the veteran community in this area especially it's important just i think from an organizational perspective I and mean, you and i have talked about this is like you're showing a unified front it's like hey 
we're a bunch of organizations that do different things for veterans. We just want to help veterans. So we're all in this together. Like, what do you need? What do you want to do? Do you want to go hiking? Okay, go over here. Do you want to build a motorcycle? Go over here. Do you want to get a service dog? Go over here. Like, we all got to kind of be together on that, you know, because there's so many different pieces uh, that need to be addressed. Yep. And it's just, it's too, in my opinion, it's impossible for one organization, one person, one whatever to take them all on. So if you want to best serve the veteran community, you have to work with other organizations. You have to be open, I think. I And like I've told you before, that should go without question. I agree. You know, it that, doesn't, that, that shouldn't even be part of the discussion. Know. You know, if, if know. you're a veterans organization, you're a non, even if you're not a nonprofit, right. you know what I'm saying? If yeah. you're a veterans organization, if you say you support veterans for any reason, there should be no question that that those groups should come together right. at, at any point in time for any reason, period. Well, and once I started opening up and once our organization started gaining some traction, I started reaching out to try to collaborate with other organizations. I was so surprised at how easy it was because so many other there, – there were, there were some that did not want to work with anybody else, that they wanted to make sure they get the credit. Hey, whatever, get it. Do what you got to do. But like OCB was one of the first ones I ever partnered with on anything as far as like – getting together and doing shit because i was like oh that's cool you guys do different shit and i know guys that could probably benefit from that and i reached out and i talked to some of the guys with ocb and from the very beginning they're like yep absolutely and i gave them a booth space at anything we did they've given me a booth space and anything they've done and it's been cool to have those relationships with organizations just to again let veterans know that we're all working together to try to help you out and i don't care if it's me that helps you brad that helps you mike that helps you like i want to find that for you and that's why we're all working together on that you know what i mean Yep. And for any Marines out there, we will slow down our speech. Okay. They do have pictures. <laughs> they have everything broken down in oh, pictures good. for you. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Um, other than that, Mike, Brad, you guys got anything else about peer support groups? Anything else you wanted to say? No, man. No? I'm good. So I got the one uh, motivational Monday quote to end this on that I wanted to talk about, one that I like and I think it's very it rings true today. Um, it's from Marcus Aurelius. The opinion of 10,000 men is of no value if none of them know anything about the subject. I totally fucking agree with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. love that. And I love that because especially when it comes to social media, <laughs> everybody's, everybody's giving their opinion on what the fuck ever when you might not know anything about it. And I think it's very important, uh, again, Marcus Aurelius, uh, known as the philosopher king of Rome, he, uh, this uh, came from his journal Meditations, which was a journal that he kept to himself to just remind himself how to be a decent leader. And he wrote all this stuff with no intent for any of it to be published. And so this was something that he wrote for himself so he could remind himself to not listen to people that are talking shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. So. Again, to the fine family, everybody else, thank you for tuning in. A huge thank you to the Horton Group for being our sponsor today. And we look forward to talking to you guys again soon. So take care.